Cool, yeah, uh, Daniel 6, it's on the screen. Um, we'll just get straight into it. Eh? Uh, yeah, so Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to go throughout the kingdom, with three chief ministers over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the chief ministers and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So these chief ministers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, making Darius live forever. The royal ministers, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and force the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sunset to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God who you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, who you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree 
that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would uh, bless your servant now as he comes to preach your word with boldness, um, with great clarity, because of the power of your Holy Spirit working through him. Pray that it would be clear uh, for our hearts and our minds that you would transform us this morning, that we'd see more of you and less of us in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Mike. Great. Thank you for reading that, fellow Irishman. I like it. Well, it's great to be with you, as I said, and um, Hope Church and the Borders send their greetings, and uh, they'll be encouraged to hear our feedback about what you guys are up to here in Glasgow. One of the problems with living in the Borders and coming to the city is that Ella and Suzanne are saying, ooh, shops. So I have told them it's a special day in Glasgow, and all the shops are shut on this Sunday. So if they ask you, they're shut, okay? Well, who has seen the film uh, 1917? Anyone, anyone watched that? I watched it last week, and I enjoyed it. Lance Corporal Schofield and his partner are sent on this special mission. And it's a dangerous one. They need to cut through enemy territory to get a message to the frontline troops that actually they've been set up and they're about to head into a trap. And so he does that mission accomplished with lots of things happening along the way. And I won't give too much more away. But you know, there's something about that mission and that call that for me, I'm saying yes. I know it's risky and I know it's dangerous, but actually there's something in me that rises to that. And I think actually we can all resonate with that because actually we're all called to make a difference in this world. We're all called to make a difference to other people. We were made for more. And you know that is a God-given thing. And you know we can. We can do more. And we are made for more in Jesus. And um, I want to look and explore a little bit this morning, as we've just read from, from the book of Daniel. I want to do a little bit of background first, and then we're going to head into that story. But Daniel wrote this in um, chapter 11, verse 32. The people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Exploits. It means to make the best use of, to use to your full advantage and um, I just sensed that I, as I was preparing that God would say to you guys that He has more for you. And I know that could be a bit of a cliche, but, but I really do sense this, that actually God wants you to be a people who are doing exploits for Him. And as a church, that's what He has. He wants this church to be known for doing great things for Him in this city. So, so that's the pretext. That's, that's just what I'm, I'm sensing here. 
And I want to look at Daniel and say, well, what could exploits look like for us in our culture, in this setting? So, a little bit of history first. The nation of Israel has lost the plot. They are no longer worshiping God as they should, and as a result, they are conquered by the ancient superpower that is Babylon. And what they do is they deport the survivors back to their capital city, Babylon, and the Babylonians are experts in conquering other nations. And so, what they would do is take the leaders and take the nobility of the nations that they're conquering, and they would bring them back into their own culture and retrain them in their own ways. And it was a deliberate thing to disorientate them. Now, all of this is happening in the geographical location that is modern-day Iraq, not far from Baghdad, interestingly. And so, these leaders find themselves in a different language, culture, philosophy, religion, the housing's different, the food is different, everything changes. And it's interesting because the word Babylon literally means to disfragment, to disorientate, to confuse, to disunite. And that is where Daniel finds himself. The, the little girl um, that Suzanne mentioned earlier, Syrian family. We have had the, the privilege of becoming friends with them. And um, when we first were getting to know them, um, the, the father in, invited us back to their home for what turned out to be the strongest coffee I have ever had in my life. And as someone who's not a coffee drinker, it, it felt like I'd had something illegal. But it, they were just so welcoming. And in that conversation in very broken English and Arabic and with one of his daughters translating, I was saying, what's it like moving from Syria into a culture like this? And he said, it's hard. Everything is different. Everything that we know is now unknown. And then he began to tell me that, that in the mornings he tries to greet his neighbors and they don't want to know him. And then he told me that they're encouraged to volunteer in different places, and people don't want them. And I, I just, something welled up in me, and I said, I am so sorry. On behalf of this community, I apologize. And I invited him to volunteer in our church. And they've been there every Sunday, and they're on a journey with Jesus. But you know, that change of culture it's so disorientating, and it's challenging, and this is exactly what's happening to Daniel. We read in chapter 1, the king ordered Ashpenaz to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So, that, that's what's happening here. This is what's happening to Daniel and his friends. Scholars would largely agree that Daniel is most likely still in his teens. And so, here is Daniel learning the language and the literature of Babylon. So, what does that mean? Well, Babylon was like the Silicon Valley of the ancient known world. They were experts in engineering, the science, the arts. They were sophisticated. But alongside that sophistication was a mixed blend of pagan spirituality. 
all sorts of occultic worship and its practices. And you see, every time that Babylon is mentioned through Scripture, it's not good because it stands for evil. Israel is the worship of God. Babylon stands for the spirit of the Antichrist. Good versus evil. And you can see that. Read the book of Revelation. You can see how Babylon is mentioned through that book. And I put to us today that I believe that for us in Scotland in 2020, we are in Babylon, so to speak. We might be sophisticated, but I believe the spirit of Babylon is at work. There may not be pagan temples on our street corners, but our nation is rife with idol worship. The idols of self were the selfie culture, are we not? The idols of fame, of sexuality, of consumerism. And you see, what we have is a, is a whole blend of spirituality, syncretism, moral relativism. I'll make my own faith. I'll make my own spirituality. Oh, I love this Jesus stuff. I love how He talks about love. I'll have some of that, but I'll mix it with a bit of Hinduism, and I'll mix it with some New Age stuff, and I, have, I am just so spiritual. So, I kid myself that I'm going to go to heaven, and God's going to go, you are so spiritual, just come on in. But you see, we live in that culture, a culture that says truth is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you, whatever you want, you decide that's your truth. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that's the culture that you and I live in. That's the culture that you and I are endeavoring to live out our lives as Jesus' followers and to see His church and His kingdom built, is it not? But Daniel said this in verse 8 in chapter 1. It says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. You see, Daniel gives us hope because what we see in Daniel is that he chose to live uncompromisingly for his God. And Daniel's stand against the spirit of Babylon, I put to us today, is our same stand against the spirit of Babylon. And you see, Daniel did not just survive, but Daniel did great exploits for God. And that's what I believe that he has for you and me. So let's dive in and look at this story that, that we read earlier, Daniel in the lion's den. So what's happening here? The, the Babylonian empire has now morphed into the Persian empire. It's the same spirit of Babylon at work. And Daniel is one of three leaders or presidents, if you like, who are responsible for the running of the entire empire. And it says that Daniel so distinguished himself that the king was planning to make him his number one guy. There's a challenge here. Here's Daniel in the marketplace doing his job with such excellence that he distinguished himself. What about us? Are we doing what we do for Jesus? Are we doing it for excellence? Are we distinguishing ourselves? And so, in this competitive political atmosphere of jealousy, the other leaders 
try to find charges against Daniel. They're trying to pin something on him, but it says they were unable to do so. And so the spin doctors try to spin some dirt, make up some things, but it says that he cannot be faulted. And they realize that the only way that they can get at Daniel is through his faith. Why? Because he will not compromise. And there's a challenge for us. So, to the people around us, would they say of us, they won't compromise? They will not compromise in their faith with Jesus. And so, they trick the king into enforcing a, a decree, and they use flattery, and they use lies. Da-da! It's Darius month. Oh, king! Everyone is going to bow down and worship you. You will be like the earthly representative of whatever gods exist. Really? Sounds good. <coughs> They're skilled politicians, and they, they pose a credible case. It would help establish you, your honor, in your new kingdom, in your new reign. And the flattery works. And then what does he do? He listens to the lies. They tell him that all the leaders have been united in this great new idea. No, they haven't, because they didn't consult Daniel. And so, Daniel faces a choice. Does he remain determined in his faith? Does he keep worshiping, or does he compromise? And guys, I put this to you today. This is the question that we will face again and again and again. Will we keep worshiping or will we compromise? Right here in this culture. And so Daniel resists, and they nail him. An unwise king is trapped by his own stupidity. He's angry at his staff. He's mad at himself and he is in absolute anguish for Daniel. And so, Daniel is fed to the deliberately starved lions. Not nice. And so, an inconsolable king approaches that lion's den at first light, and it says this, chapter 6, verse 20. It says, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. Jesus shows up. Jesus, the one who controls nature, takes these lions who are meat-eating with sharp teeth and turns them into pussycats. You see, Daniel is saved in the den, not from it. Are you facing a challenge? Are you feeling the, the pressure to compromise? Maybe you are asking God to take the lions away, so to speak. I don't want to go in there. This is a tough situation. I, I, I don't want to face that challenge. Those, those lions look fierce. But you know, sometimes God doesn't take the lions away. You see, we're not saved from the lion's den, but
but we are saved in the lion's den. And Jesus promises to meet us here, just like He did with Daniel. So, when the opposition comes, when the challenge comes, that's where Jesus will meet us. That's where we can know the strength to resist from Him. And Daniel was unharmed. It's miraculous. Who walks out of a lion's den? This was a a special treatment reserved as some kind of torture. It was hideous. And Daniel walks out, not a mark on him. So, when the challenge comes, when the opposition comes, what do we do? We trust. We trust. We trust. And what happens here? God's name is lifted up right throughout this empire. There's a new decree. All must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And you see, Daniel's testimony of who God is has now literally reached hundreds of thousands of people. Encouraging, isn't it? Do you see what happens when we don't compromise? A few years ago, my brother lived in China for a while, and I went out to visit him. And because he lived there and because he learned to speak Chinese, which he can do fairly well, we didn't really do the touristy thing. He wanted to show me the real China. So we went off the beaten track, so to speak. Somewhere on our travels, I picked up fairly bad food poisoning. So I was feeling pretty rough. Um, I didn't want to let my brother down, so I pretended that I wasn't too bad, but I was feeling pretty, pretty rough. And uh, I don't want to be too graphic, but um, food would go in, and it, and it didn't take long to come out, okay? So, so for me, the trip was emerging into a find a toilet. Wherever I went, find a toilet. And in China, that's an interesting thing. So um, we were near Beijing uh, this one day, and I needed to find a toilet, and, uh, and I found one, to my great relief, on two different levels. And um, I went in, and there were no cubicles, just kind of toilet bowls in this big room. And so there I am, doing what I need to do, and I'm feeling pretty low because I haven't eaten properly for several days, and I'm, it's like 40 degrees, and I'm, I'm just not feeling good. And I, and I look up, and I am surrounded by a semicircle of schoolboys who, who are so unused to seeing tourists in their area, they're like, oh, this is interesting. And at that moment, I thought, I just feel so far from home. I am in such a different culture right now. And guys, we as Christians find ourselves in a very different culture, and it's changing fast. So what, here's, here's the question. What do we do when the culture around us is pushing against our faith? Well, what does Daniel do? Let's look at this. I love this. This is what Daniel does. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done 
before. What does Daniel do? He does what he always does. He prays. He goes to his God. What do we do when we're up against it? We go to Jesus. Don't phone a friend. Go to Jesus. That's, that's got to be our first port of call. And you see, what we see here is Daniel has crafted the art of prayer. Daniel has crafted the art of worship. He's cultivated a heart that despite the crisis, that in the crisis will give thanks to his God. That's why he's able to cultivate a character that will stand firm, that will stand firm with faith in his God, that in the crisis cannot be moved and will not compromise. And guide, here is our answer. He prayed giving thanks to his God. His God. There's our key. Relationship. Intimacy. Daniel knows his God. Daniel is known by God. That's how he wrote, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. It isn't a quote. This is, this is born out of experience, out of the challenges, out of a life of intimacy and relationship with God the Father. Daniel knows his God. Do you see the difference that makes when things get messy in Babylon? You see, he's invested in the most meaningful, in the most wonderful, in the most powerful relationship that you could ever have. Here is a window into the life of Daniel. What do we see? We see a worshiper. We see a man who gives thanks to his God even when he's up against it. We see a man who prays. We see a man who soaks himself in the Word, and he puts it into action. If we're going to stand strong, if we're going to do exploits, then this is our key. Like Daniel, we need to cultivate a life of intimate, prayerful, worshipful devotion to God. How? How do we do that? Well, I would suggest, as Jesus' followers, then we need to follow Jesus into how He did life. I'm going to flip to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3, we've got this amazing picture of Jesus being baptized, and God literally speaks from heaven, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. So, Jesus has just started His ministry. And then it says this in chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, He was hungry. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Greek, the Greek word is eremos. Turn to the person next to you and say eremos. Eremos. It means deserted, solitary, quiet place. And you know, for years I used to look at this and think, well, Jesus had to go and face the devil head on. What, after 40 days alone? After 40 days of not eating? I mean, this must be the greatest understatement in the Bible. After 40 days of not eating, he says he was hungry. I bet he was. Well, he faces the devil when he's at his weakest? No. He faces the devil when he's at his strongest. Because it's 40 days of Eremos. 
It's 40 days alone. It's 40 days of prayer. It's 40 days of building intimacy with God the Father. And it's out of that solitude, it's out of that intimacy, it's out of that prayer, it's out of that strength that Jesus faces the forces of evil. Mark chapter 1, we have a snapshot, a day in the life of Jesus. We see Jesus teaching in the synagogue. We see Him healing Peter's mother-in-law, extra points for Peter that day. We see Him casting out demons. It's a busy day. And then the next thing we read, Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, Eremos, where He prayed. What do we see? We see Jesus building a rhythm of Eremos, of solitude, of prayer, of alone time, of time to build intimacy with His Father. And we see it through the Gospels. We see the same rhythm again and again. Jesus built it into His life, Eremos. And I put to us that if Jesus needed it, then I think we do. Wouldn't you agree? A quiet place, solitude, prayer, time with the Father. And you see, Jesus' ministry and all that He did, it came out of those times. You look at all the big events through the Gospels, all the big decisions that Jesus made, it was always after He had spent time alone with the Father. It was always after Eremos. And as Jesus' followers, I suggest we need to follow Him into this same rhythm. Time in the presence of Jesus. Time to worship Him. Time to feast on the Word. Time to cultivate our prayer life. Tell Him what's on your heart. And listen to what He might be saying. We need those times. So, a question to you today, where's your Eremos? And it's been so encouraging to see you guys as a church encouraging one another to, to get into the Word and to get into prayer and to get into your communities and encourage each other in that. And it is so, so vital. I've been on a, a bit of a journey with this and had felt really challenged at the end of last year and going into this year. And God's been encouraging me to spend more time alone and to cultivate and make sure that I'm putting aside those, those times with Him. I've been playing around a bit with technology, realizing that it can be such a distraction. So, I've actually started endeavoring to put my phone to sleep like a little baby at nights and put it away. I've started switching it off for a 24-hour period in the week. It's amazing. Guess what? No one missed me. I don't know what this looks like for you, but I want to encourage you to build in your Eremos. Is that on the way to uni in the morning? Is that a break at lunchtime? Is that getting up earlier? I don't know. But whatever works for you. And guys, start now. Cultivate it now. Because the earlier you do, the easier it gets. One of the things I've been trying to do is get back to taking a day a month where I can just go off and walk and just pray and think and recharge. So, I was in a forest 
and I was just, I was just worshiping, just praying, just alone, and I was walking along this track, and I kind of got a bit carried away, and it was like New Frontier style. I'm giving it this, and I'm praying, oh God, will you do this in, in the borders? Will you do this in Scotland? And I'm, and I'm praying, and I was aware of a vehicle coming alongside me with a zzz as the window went down, and I'm, hello. And the guy looked at me, and he said, are you lost? And I was just in, in the zone, so I said something really cheesy. I said, no, I'm not lost. I've got Jesus. And the window went back up. He looked at his friend, and off they went. They were, they were forestry commission workers, and I, I was thinking, my goodness, that was really dumb. And I'm just imagining what came across the, their, their radio that day. Uh, guys, there's some nutter in the forest. But whatever it takes, eh? Where's your Eremos? And guys, in a culture that wants everything instant, there's no instant download to this. It takes time. Imagine that, that you go and meet a friend for coffee. You're running late. You grab a coffee. You sit down and say, hey, I've had the worst week. Let me tell you about it. It's awful. You've told them, and you're thinking, oh, do you know what? Actually, I've got to cut this short. I've got to go whoosh. That's not going to build a friendship, is it? But sometimes we can do that with Jesus. Jesus, I'm running a bit late this morning. Um, I don't have much time, but if you could get me a parking space, that would be amazing. That's fine, but that is not going to grow intimacy with Him because He's calling us into friendship. I um, do a little bit of mountain biking, and um, in the winter, not wanting to be... Um, not wanting to miss out by the, by the shorter days, um, I, I try to go out and do some night stuff. And uh, I think, yeah, we've got a, a picture. Um, so I had these lights, and they weren't very good. And uh, I crashed into th things once too often, and I hit this tree, and I kind of hurt myself. I thought, right, I'm not ever using those lights again. So I did some research for what I was looking for, really bright lights that stay bright and stay charged for hours. And then I realized I would need to take out a mortgage to get those kind of lights. So I spoke to a friend who's an electronic whiz kid and, I, and told him what I needed. And so he very cleverly got me to order some lights for about 10 quid off eBay, and then he built the, the special battery pack. And it cost me 50 quid, and these lights are amazing. They are brighter than my car lights. And now I don't hit things. They illuminate. They're so much brighter. And you know, in Matthew 5, it says this, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. But here's the thing. The more we hang out with Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. The more we hang out with Jesus, the brighter our light is going to come, and the greater the difference we are going to make in the communities around us. The real lion's den, I suggest, was most likely in Daniel's bedroom, wrestling in prayer. Oh, God, what do I do? I, I want to do what's right here. I'm up against it. And I'm sure the temptation was there. Daniel, why don't you just pray quietly? It's only 30 days. I mean, you, don't, you don't have to do the public thing. I mean, God's put you in this influential position. You don't want to mess with that, do you? 
But you see, Daniel knows his God, and he will not compromise, because the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. He can't not get on his knees and face Jerusalem and keep alive that vision that his nation will be restored to God. He can't not worship and publicly declare the greatness of his God, because Daniel knows his God. And you see, we can take encouragement from this. Daniel shows us that we do not to live in, in the ideal culture to let our spirituality and our faith in Jesus grow. Daniel proves that we can do great exploits. You can do great exploits for him right here in Glasgow, that you can make his name great. So, I just want to close with this. What might the lion's den look like for you? To live as a Christian when you feel so outnumbered? To be honest in business when the pressure is to take shortcuts? To live in purity in a sex-mad world? To speak about Jesus to others and tell Him the good news? to advance as a church and go after what God has next and, a, and another venue and whatever that is, because the world is telling us something different. We see, like Daniel, we can be victorious. I'll try over here. Like Daniel, we can be victorious. Amen? Are you encouraged? You see, we don't need to be intimidated by our culture. We do not need to worship its idols. Then we must know our God. We must build our relationship with Jesus. Where's your Eremos? The people who know their God shall what? Hide away and watch YouTube videos on the end times? No. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And we can in Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you. You've called us, invited us to follow you. But that's not just an invitation, it's also a challenge to live up to the grace that you pour into our lives. And Lord, we don't want to be a people who compromise. We want to be a people who are strong, not in our strength, not in some self-help program, but strong in you, Jesus. And I pray for all of us that you would encourage us and you would challenge us and you would show us how to build that intimate relationship with you, that we would be a people who would be strong and do great exploits, not to show off, not to say, look at me, but to do great exploits to make your name great. And I pray that over this church today. I pray that over this family of people that you have called for such a time as this. And I pray, Lord, for the exploits that will be done among these guys, the exploits in individual lives, the stand for Jesus that these guys will take, that the exploits they will do as a church 
as they make your name great. And so, Lord, I pray for that in your amazing name. Amen.